This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Probably about 20 years ago, I was sitting in a restaurant with a guy I had just met, and uh, we were talking about what we like to do. And so fly fishing inevitably came up. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and a lot of people fished, even if they didn't fly fish. And uh, once he found out I fly fished, he asked me a question that you may have been asked at some point in time in your life. Do you use strike indicators? And I said, well, when I fish nymphs, I use strike indicators. He says, oh, you mean bobbers. The fact that he had asked me that question, do you use strike indicators, waiting for my affirmative reply, and then offering up his correction of, oh, you mean bobbers, led me to believe that there was a bit of a motive behind this. And there was. He apparently had been criticized by fly fisher at some point in time about his preferred method of angling, which was using conventional gear, to which this gentleman uh, looked at his fly fishing companion's gear and saw a thingamabobber on the end of his uh, setup and asked what that was. And he said it was a strike indicator. And he asked him what it was used for. And they went back and forth. And I think this gentleman's um, purposes were quite clear and were valid, which is where's the purity in using a giant balloon to make sure that you can see where your line is and where your fly is. So first and foremost, I don't care if you use strike indicators. I don't care if you don't use strike indicators. I don't care why you use strike indicators, and I don't care what kind of strike indicator you use because they are very, very valuable. They can serve numerous purposes, and they are something that an angler ought to have in his repertoire for certain scenarios, certain situations, certain times when he or she is out on the water. So uh, I think it is worthwhile to acknowledge that strike indicators are an aid. They are an, a help. They are something that allows us to do what we do a little bit easier. 
Now, what I want to make clear before I get into the different types of strike indicators I'm talking about in today's podcast is that the only purpose for a strike indicator is not to indicate strikes. They have a lot more value than just indicating strikes. So why would they indicate strikes? Let's start with there. Uh, If your fly is drifting in the water and you have a strike indicator attached two feet, three feet above that fly, and that strike indicator immediately stops or dips down in the water, then you know that there's a chance that a fish or a rock or a stick has grabbed onto that fly. This gives you an opportunity to set the hook. Ergo, strike indicator. However, there's a lot more than just strikes that you want to be indicated. You want an indication as to where your fly is. There's countless times where a strike indicator is really helpful under low light situations or in incredibly fast choppy water so you can identify, generally speaking, where your fly is after your cast, especially if you're using a small subsurface fly uh, like a nymph or a midge. Another thing that a strike indicator is helpful for is to determine your drift. There are plenty of times where I'll put a strike indicator on fishing a nymph simply to get an idea of what the current is like in a flow that is very difficult to diagnose, whether it be swirling water, whether it be downstream of some sort of obstruction or underwater water feature that causes the currents to be very difficult to discern. They're swirling, they're going back on themselves. There may even be places in the water where the water kind of tumbles over a rock, but this is all subsurface. Having a strike indicator on there helps determine if you can't walk over and, you know, put your hand down in there and figure out what's going on, but, you know, after or before you fish it. Um, I wouldn't suggest doing it right before you fish. The fish don't, don't like that very much. Then having that strike indicator on there can really help you get an idea of where that fly is going. Is it going to move into the tail out of that pool? Is it going to kick to the side of that pool? Is it going to kind of sit and tumble behind a rock? Having a strike indicator on there to determine that and then maybe even to fish it can be helpful. Um, It also can, along those lines, help you figure out when and if your fly is dragging. There may may be times where currents move in such a way where your fly line is doing the perfect thing in front of you. It is moving, you know, from upstream to downstream in a very steady pace, but five feet, 10 feet beyond that, that line may be, or that leader with that fly may be being pulled back because of a current or pushed forward at a faster rate because of a current. So to have a strike indicator at an intermediate place between the end of your fly line and your fly will help you get a better feel of where that current is going. Will, in these situations, that strike indicator also serve as something that helps indicate strikes? Of course. Um, and, And we just need to be cognizant of that and be okay with that. If that offends your sensibilities, then don't use one. Uh, One last thing, I think strike indicator can also be helpful if you're really trying to nick the bottom and you just don't have a good grasp on sensitivity, uh, whether it be just your your experience level, your equipment, or even just your your ability to to feel those things through your, your rod and your line. Having a strike indicator on there to see those little ticks and bumps on the bottom uh, can be very helpful to make sure that you are getting your fly where it needs to be. So that's a very quick primer on how to engage in an argument about strike indicators, but more importantly, uh, why you might use a strike indicator. Um, And again, there is no shame in using a strike indicator to basically serve as a bobber. Know where your fly is and know if you're getting bites. 
Um, there are going to be significant drawbacks with using a strike indicator in that way, uh, especially when it comes to casting uh, and also when it comes to um, presenting the fly in a very subtle manner. Uh, you're also going to be very limited into where your fly can go because the one thing I didn't mention about strike indicators is that they effectively set the depth of your fly. It's not as easy as it sounds. If you want your fly to be four feet down, you don't simply put your strike indicator four feet above your fly because if that fly and that strike indicator are moving in the water column, uh, moving downstream with the current, there's going to be a, uh, a raising of that fly up in the water column. So generally speaking, you know, there, there's, there's nothing general about it. Uh, it. It's not going to be three and a half feet down. It's also not going to be 18 inches down. It's going to be based on the current. So there's going to be some math required in that. And using a strike indicator might not allow you to get your fly down as deep as you would like. Um, and if you want it to be really shallow, then you might not have that subtle presentation because then there's going to be some sort of bobber-like instrument only a few inches above that fly. So there are limitations in using strike indicators. But, and the, the, the core of the podcast today is to briefly go through a few styles of strike indicators that I use, the benefits for them, the, the times when they might be better for you, and the times where you might want to stay away from them. And so there are countless types of strike indicators out there. Um, and in fact, I would love to hear from you what your favorite strike indicator is. If I don't include it on this list, I think I'm only going to mention five things and only really three of them are true strike indicators. Um, and so I would uh, I would love to hear if, if I left out your favorite and why you have maybe pushed all the others that I mentioned today to the bottom of your vest uh, in lieu of your preferred strike indicator choice. Uh, for example, I know there's a lot of people that love New Zealand strike indicators. I've used them a couple times. It's just something I, I haven't gravitated towards. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, products out there that are quick and easy, but the ones I'm going to talk about today are the ones that I've used. So first and foremost, the very first strike indicator that I ever used and one that I still turn to over and over again is what I just call the Pulsa. Pulsa is a name brand, but all it is is a sticky foam uh, strike indicator. So the, the Pulsa brand ones uh, are kind of cool. They look like little figure eights um, and they come on a sheet and they come in colors like uh, orange and white and yellow and purple and uh, pink. And you peel them off that sheet and then they're sticky uh, on, on the bottom side and you pinch them onto themselves over your fly line or excuse me, over your leader or your tippet. Now, uh, a couple of things about, about pulses. Um, they are disposable. So that is kind of a, a knock against them. They're foam, so they're not going to be very eco-friendly, but they are very small. Um, another thing about them is because it is a foam surface that is sticking to itself, they are not going to be reusable. So once you pinch them onto your, your leader, um, it is going to be at that position. And if you have to change flies or change rigs or you change spots, you're going to have to tear it off and start over again. Uh, also, if it happens to slide and it slides up your uh, leader, if your leader is tapered, that hole is going to widen and it's not going to be reusable if you slide it down. So it can always slide up your, uh, your leader, but if you slide it down, now it may move. Or if it slides over a knot. So if you're casting a little vigorously, 
and it moves a little bit and it pops up over a blood knot or a surgeon's loop between your tippet and your leader or two sections of tippet, that is effectively going to crack that thing open and it's now going to move freely and no longer do exactly what you want it to do. That's actually my preferred method for popping one off is I slide it over a knot and then it opens it up a little bit and I can then peel it off and throw it in the, in the trash. Um, but why would you use a pulse? One, they're incredibly inexpensive. Two, they're very subtle. Uh, they don't create a big disturbance on the surface when they're floating. Uh, and they are very, very um, delicate as they land. And they also, even though they are bulky in the sense that they are kind of bigger than a lot of small streamlined flies, they don't interfere with casting that much. So I love pulses for that purpose. And also what I will do with pulses, they do come in different sizes and some other manufacturers print them in sheets to make this easier. Um, but I like the foam, uh, foam stick on indicators because you can actually trim them if you have a pair of sharp scissors to make them even more streamlined. Um, I would actually do this with pulses quite a bit when I was fishing spring creeks and making long casts with uh, midges, uh, where I would take a pulse and cut it almost into a third. So it was a really thin little um, strip of, of foam that I fold back over on itself. Um, and it basically at two feet, maybe two and a half feet above my uh, fly, now I simply know where my fly is. Uh, and so if I get a rise two and a half feet past where I see that little tiny orange uh, dot floating, then um, then I would uh, go ahead and set the hook. Now, uh, I, I will say, don't buy the white ones. The white ones blend in so easily. Uh, you might think, oh, I'm being really subtle. Um, but I've, I bought the white ones once and I hated it. Um, maybe in your water body, you prefer them, but they just look like flotsam. They look like stuff floating in the water. They look like foam and they don't pop out to the eye as much as the colored ones do. So I have been happy with every other color. Um, and I would say that the pale yellow is, is a great all around color. Um, but you're not going to go wrong. And you know, if fish are looking up and there's light above them, that's going to look basically the, the same color, no matter, um, you know, what it is, it's going to look, uh, like something solid on the surface. So that's my, my first choice is pulsa or a, a floating foam that has a stick on application. Uh, another one, which is probably the most popular is that closed plastic bobber style, uh, strike indicator. Uh, the, the brand that most folks know is the thingamabobber. And these are great because they float high, they will not sink, and they are reusable. Uh, generally speaking, um, most of them are a little circle, the little little sphere of plastic, closed plastic with a hook on top or a loop on top with uh, hopefully uh, something that is uh, not sharp on the inside of that. And so all you do is you double over your line or your, excuse me, your leader or your tippet and you slide it through that loop and then you loop that loop back around uh, itself. So you effectively are, are creating a knot without tying anything. This is nice because uh, you're not creating a significant weak point in your leader, but you're also able to then loosen that loop up and slide it up and down and reposition uh, that, that closed plastic uh, bobber uh, or strike indicator. Now, I mean, and as I keep saying, they look like bobbers, they function like bobbers, and this is also their, their detriment. They are not aerodynamic. I mean, they're round. Round is more aerodynamic than square, but they are heavier. Now, they've gotten lighter and the plastic has gotten thinner, and of course, they will be more disposable as the plastic gets thinner and thinner. 
you whack them against a rock, you crush them in your pocket, um, they're going to break. But they're getting lighter and they're getting thinner, but they're still not going to be as aerodynamic as some of the other more narrow strike indicators that are out there. That being said, these things float like corks. They literally are plastic balloons. And so you're going to see them in a in very easily. Um, you can get them in a range of sizes. I've got some that are abnormally and ridiculously large that are great for fishing incredibly rapid water, and you're still going to see them. So use these if you are fishing in really fast water, use these if you are making long casts and you need something that you can see. Uh, use these if you're fishing water that has a lot of uh, um, you know, ups and downs um, and things are going to inevitably get sunk because the pulsa, you know, it will, will get waterlogged eventually. Some of these um, yarn indicators will get waterlogged, um, but the, the thingamabobber style strike indicator is not ever going to get waterlogged. And so if you're fishing in situations where that water is really, really rapid, really turbid, then this is a great option. They are more bulky. They take up more space. But again, this is kind of a drop in the bucket of all the gear that we're going to carry. So that's my second selection. I don't use this, these as frequently, but they are absolutely a great way to keep your fly where you want it to be and to see where it is. So Pulsa is my first suggestion. Thingamabobber, I throw that out there uh, only because it is just a, an all-around, uh, you know, high visibility, high floating strike indicator. But the one that I like to use second behind Pulsa, um, and these are a little bit more complicated in the sense that you, you can't put them on after you've tied a fly on, but they're really, really helpful, is a slide-on fly line style indicator. The only one that I've ever used comes from uh, the good people at Rio and uh, it's called the Kahuna strike indicator and they come in a couple different diameters but all it is is fly line that has no core to it so it's just the plastic or PVC uh, uh, material with nothing on the on the inside. So what you're able to do is it comes with a little threader and you can slide your leader and tip it into the fly line and then slide that little chunk of fly line and it comes in like three inch pieces you can cut them to where you how you want them i like using them in like a like a half cut so like an inch and a half two inches and then you can slide that fly line piece to where you want it this is fantastic because it is as streamlined as you can get high visibility because of the um the color and it's not going to sink because it is a floating material um, now in faster water, it will sink, uh, only because that it, the, the, the water's going to be pulling down on the entire rig. So just like your floating fly line will sink, uh, this will sink in, in those situations also, but under normal circumstances, it's going to float. Well, it's going to be streamlined. It is not going to encourage drag. So the other strike indicators I mentioned, they, especially the thingamabobber may encourage drag because that might move faster or slower based upon where it is in the current than your fly line and your fly. So, you know, you really could have three places, three, even within a very small stretch of water where you have three different current speeds because you're talking about laterally. So moving across the stream, but also up and down in the water column and you have different current speeds and all of those things is so dynamic. Even a channelized river uh, is going to have different water movement dynamics uh, from up and down and side to side. And so if you have your fly line and you have some sort of strike indicator and your fly, there's a 
very good chance that within uh, certain tolerances, you're going to have different speeds at which things move. And so the uh, bigger a, a strike indicator is, and the more water resistant the strike indicator is, uh, it is going to encourage uh, the slowing down or the speeding up of that fly, even in distinction to the tip of the fly line and the, the current. So all that to say, using a slide-on piece of line like the Rio Kahuna indicators is going to mitigate that as much as is possible with a strike indicator. But again, the downside of this is that uh, you can't attach it once you already have your fly on. You can slide it back and forth, and because it is a plastic, it is going to be more elastic in the sense that it, you can slide it onto a thicker piece of uh, leader and then slide it down, and it's not going to just become really, really loose. So these are great, um, and if, if you know you're you're going to be nymphing, um, or you simply want a little bit of a cider for for knowing where your fly is, this is a great option uh, to, to use. Um, and I would encourage people to have them on hand because they take up no space and they're, they're very, very versatile. So uh, pulsa or stick-on foam style, thingamabobbers, or closed plastic style uh, strike indicators, um, and then the slide-on line like the Rio Kahuna strike indicators. Uh, the, the fifth one I'll mention, excuse me, the fourth one I'll mention is uh, just a dry fly. There is nothing wrong with using a dry fly as a strike indicator. In fact, there's many times where this is my preferred way to fish, uh, particularly if I am fishing on over spooky fish, if I'm fishing in uh, mountain streams where there's a good chance that those fish are going to be amenable to looking up. Um, and then also, uh, if you do want a delicate presentation. And so we've all had, well, that's presumptuous. Most of us have probably had fish that have risen to our strike indicator from time to time. I have that happen all the time. If I'm fishing someplace where there's people around, I think that the pulses in particular, they replicate a cigarette butt very, very well. And so I've had fish rise to uh, pulses. I've even had times where they've hit so much where I've just grabbed the, the whole rig and slid that pulsa so it is effectively touching the nose of my, my nymph and I've caught fish that way. Really dirty, but you know, here we are. Um, so a dry fly effectively kills two birds with one stone, catches two fish with one fly, one fish with two flies, I guess is how that would work. Um, and so just like you'd be fishing a dry drop, dropper rig, you are saying, I don't anticipate that this dry fly is going to be what the fish are going for, but I'd rather have this on and have that option than use a, um, than just use a strike indicator. And if that is your mindset, then go big, you know, use a foam ant, a big chunky foam grasshopper, something like that. Um, and that way you're not going to be reapplying floatant to your, you know, bushy March Brown or your atoms. Uh, if, if those flies are what fish may be king and on, then use that as your strike indicator, but as really as your dry and your dry dropper. But what I'm talking about is a situation where you don't anticipate fish rising, but you want to leave yourself open to that. You think there is a slight chance then using a foam based fly as your dry in your dry dropper is basically fulfilling the role of your strike indicator. Now, as much as you can get tangles with a strike indicator, you can also get tangles with a um, with a, a bushy dry fly, particularly a terrestrial that has a, a maybe an extended foam body. But you have to remember that flies have been designed to be cast. Uh, strike indicators, that's kind of a secondary purpose. So um, you, you are going to receive the aerodynamic benefits of a dry fly uh, if you choose to use one as a strike indicator. But 
now you have uh, another knot in the system. And so that is a weak point. But again, you tie good knots. Um, I usually tie my knots in situations like this off of the bend of the hook, uh, rather off than off of the eye of the hook or above the eye of the, the strike indicator of the, the dry fly in the uh, scenario, because um, I do want that direct connection from that fly that I'm using as a cider fly, I'm using as a strike indicator to the, uh, the fly that is the most important one in that rig. So uh, again, if you use something that's primarily fur and feathers, you can have to use a lot of floatant. And I would, I just would steer away from that. I would say if, the, if you're only using it uh, to keep your fly, your, your nymph where you want it to be, then use a strike indicator in that situation. Use a foam fly if, if that is what you're, you're looking to do. The last thing that I'll say, because I've been talking a lot about strike indicators, I could talk about this for a lot longer, I suppose. There's a lot of other things that I have in my vest that I do use from time to time. The uh, three I've mentioned already are the ones I use the most. But the last thing I would say is just take care of your fly line because the um, terminal end of your fly line can be, and more often than not for me, is the best strike indicator that you have. If you have a good leader, if you've constructed your leader well, um, it has a good taper. It is a taper that is um, built to uh, accommodate the type of fishing you're doing in the water that you're doing, which there's a lot that could be said about that. But if you have a, a good leader, um, you have the right fly on, and you've made a decent cast, then the terminal end of your fly line will show you where your fly went, show you the speed at which your leader and fly are moving, and it will also respond if you get hung up, if you're taking the bottom, or if a fish bites. Um, now, there's a couple of things that need to be said about this. If you have a, uh, a bad connection between line and leader, this is going to eliminate or significantly reduce the effectiveness of using the end, terminal end of your fly line as a strike indicator. So if you're using one of those Chinese uh, finger trap style um, slide on uh, attachments, uh, th that's not good. Uh, th that thing's going to sink and it's going to dog a dog leg left or right. It's just not going to accomplish things very well. Uh, secondly, if it is an old fly line, whether you have tied a knot on or you're using a welded loop, then that is also going to sink pretty quickly and it's not going to float high. Um, thirdly, if, if you are uh, fishing in a situation where you have allowed your line to get really chewed up, then it's also going to sink and it's going to kind of aim down and it's not going to be as uh, effective in this. So take care of your line. Make sure that you have a good line to leader connection, um, whether it is a very narrow welded loop that's new, or if that has been compromised, then you've tied on a, a bit of monofilament, rigid monofilament, um, and that that knot is in good shape. And that knot that is on, by this, I don't mean the, the loop knot at the end of your monofilament. I mean the uh, monofilament as it is tied in like a... Um, a uh, needle knot to your uh, your fly line that that's in good shape that hasn't compromised the coating of the fly line exposing the core allowing water to get in there and causing that fly line to dip down those are worth retying you know you've got a couple of feet of of a tip section of fly line before you get into really affecting the uh the effectiveness of that line as a floating and casting line so that's a lot that has been said about strike indicators uh, today. But like I said, if you have a uh, style or a brand that I didn't mention that is worth consideration, I'd love to hear about it. I could include those in either an upcoming article or certainly in an upcoming podcast. So let me know, Matthew at castingacross.com. If you absolutely hate one of the ones that I've, I've mentioned, then let me know. That's a great accusation uh, to receive. So I'd love to hear that. Let me know. 
this week on castingacross.com. Uh, two articles, and the first one that came out was actually uh, this month's uh, contribution to Tim Camisa's Trout and Feather, and I wrote about uh, a guide for guides. So this is uh, something that I think is important for the fly fishing community to understand uh, that there you, you can talk to a guide before you go out and say, this is what I'm looking to do. Do you think that you're the best person for it? Um, and when I'm, I'm not just talking about going out and catching a lot of fish or catching big fish. But this is the kind of fishing that I want to do. This is how I want to fish. And having those conversations is super important. So uh, I wrote about that, and I included two videos uh, from Trout and Feather. Uh, one is about what's in Tim's nymphing uh, bag. Another is Tom Rosenbauer on, on fly tying. So definitely both check out both of those videos and read the article. Wednesday's article is called Rusty Flybox Guided, and this is kind of just a follow-up to Monday's piece. So this is three older posts all having to do with guiding. One has to do with gratuity and tipping, which I think is a worthwhile thing to think about, especially before you go. Uh, you don't want to be thinking, oh, you know what, did I stiff the guy or did I really you know, over, over tip him? Uh, just good thing to think through before you go out on the boat. Make sure you have enough cash on in your pocket as well. And then uh, another one is an older podcast about kind of the similar thing I talked about in Tim's article um, on Monday. This week's recommendation on the podcast, I'm just going to go right back to it. Uh, the Rio Kahuna uh, strike indicators. Uh, the Kahuna LT, there's a thin, which is a 0.095 diameter, and a thick, which is a 0.125 uh, diameter. They are not expensive at all. Um, they are $10 a pack, and uh, they come with, I believe, uh, three lengths. Um, they are each a foot long. I think I said a few inches earlier. I think I've cut all of mine down uh, just to, to make them easier to use. But they'll last you a long time, and uh, they're, I'm, I'm assuming you can recycle them. Uh, but uh, just they're very, very versatile uh, for fishing dry flies. Uh, if you have a really long leader um, for fishing uh, nymphs, like for traditional strike indicators, but you can come up with all sorts of uses for them. I would just say check them out. I'll put a link to Rio's page with the Kahuna uh, strike indicators on the show notes for this podcast podcast over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm -hmm.